The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Amlin, Robot Lewis. <laughs> Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. <laughs> you know, with with our, our, our little switch up in, in uh, bylines on the Cycling Independent from Red Kite Prayer, it's like we both have multiple personalities or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Patrick Brady is a is a commonish name, but John Lewis. I mean, I'm not even in the top hundred John Lewises of all time. <laughs> <laughs> there have been a lot of them better than me. So I realized actually early on in my writing career that I was gonna have to play some different cards if I wanted people to find my work ever, and that that's created personal. Personal, no, multiple personalities. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, for whatever it's worth, I get along with them all. <laughs> Thanks. They're all, <laughs> they all have something to offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you were continuing to have good spring weather there? It was, I had one of those rides yesterday. It was, you know, met up with the crew, headed into the woods, and it was just perfection. For me, you know, it was like 52 degrees, sunny, the, you know, the dirt was moist, but not muddy, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it was just, and we, you know, nobody was trying to be a hero. We were just riding bikes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was as close to 12 years old as a 49 year old guy gets. Well, I mean, that's, that is generally the, the whole point yeah. of this, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember being in line at a at the coffee shop post ride once and a woman behind me started commenting on how fit and trim I was and how I exercised so much. And I turned around and said, lady, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she looked a little bit there for a moment like I'd slapped her. Uh, so I had to jump in quickly and say, I, I'm still just fundamentally kind of 12 years old. I go out and I play with my friends. Yeah. That's right. If it's exercise, mm, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to do certain things for myself that I ought to do, like yoga. Uh, yeah. On, on you, there are classes on YouTube. Oh, yeah. There's everything on YouTube. Well, but I mean, some you of sound things... old right now when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, most of what I know about being on YouTube is like, Kids playing games and shooting video of them playing games and then showing other kids like my kids those games. Yeah. So yeah. when I think of YouTube, I think of like, uh, you know, bad science research and gamers and, you know, occasionally you might get lucky and find an old uh, video of HR Puff and stuff or something. Right. Uh, but I can take yoga. Yeah, no, you can take I, yoga. I have to actually get up. Yeah. 
you can take yoga. You can take flamenco guitar lessons from a cat on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. That I need to look up. That I mean, you have like, to make time for that with the yoga. That sounds but, like nine minutes worth of my time. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, we had a little scare of summer here. Uh, it got up into the 90s two days in a row. My God. Yeah. And uh, I had one of those moments of like, I, you know, maybe it's like what some folks go through just prior to getting married. It's like, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely my case. Cause I run hot. Like if it's over 72, I, I am increasingly uncomfortable up to the point of misery, but uh, 90 is no, no. Yeah. It no. was, uh, I mean, the great thing is because the temperature varies here so much, you know, our highs are high and our lows are low. It won't be 90 for more than about 45 minutes. Yeah. And you have drier air than we have. Yes. Oh, thank God. Yes. Yes. But still, I mean, you know, 89 is not my favorite either, Uh, but it's just (laughs) kind of passing through that. It's a waypoint along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, so what do you have for us this week, dude? Well, I had a bizarre experience that I, uh, I would like to share with you. Okay. And it started, my wife and I, uh, both had appointments to get our second vaccines this week. Um, so already we're living in a world where you need a pair of vaccines in order to be a viable human. So that was probably my first clue that it was a day, not like other days, Uh but, um, we were on, in the car on the way back, and I said to her that I was thinking about getting a new bike. And after a short conversation, she said, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Did you drug her? No. Before you assume I have finally ascended to the 10th level bike wizard uh, uh-huh. status uh-huh. and ask me for the spell... I should fill in a few of the details. Okay. And so first you're level nine at this point anyway. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I studied hard. Um, First, the bike's not for me. So I, and I think that that is, that is a, an important (laughs) qualifier. (laughs) The bike isn't for me. It's for my 16 year old son who recently is taller than I am. Oh, which I which I find intolerably rude. (laughs) And uh, but he's still riding this adult small hybrid that I bought him, you know, a few years ago. And it just Uh doesn't fit him anymore. Uh huh. So all on its own, that wouldn't bother my wife. I don't think she's like she's like the the pure Yankee stock that's, you know, you just you just make do. Right. They they make frugality look like excessive you know, uh, spending. Yeah, that's right. It's vanity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, she would have said, Oh, that fits him well enough. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> in fact, she, she sort of said, I mean, you can get him a new bike, but, and we've been teaching him to drive lately. Um, oh. so she expressed some <laughs> doubt that he was going to have any interest in riding a bike again. <laughs> Personal experience, notwithstanding, I'm still going to say she's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it was a good point. Um, and then, and then she said, without my having to say anything, she said, of course, if he goes to college, he'll need a bike because there's no way he's getting a car and really no way he'd take the car that he's not getting to college anyway. (laughs) So a bike that fits starts to make sense then. Are you saying that she's actually made most of the argument for him having a bike? Yeah, that happened. That happened. So and then I said I told her that my nephew, who is 14, um, just had his bike stolen. So the old bike would have an immediate and useful new home. Oh, and I think that did it. Because even though I know exactly how many bikes we own as a family, I get a regular update on the number. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I don't. Please with tell the me clear, more. With the clear implication that no more can come in. Uh, so that's uh-huh. why this whole thing got, you know, it went away. I didn't expect it to. So y- your plan still adheres to the one in one out rule. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I th- okay. And I think that's what clinched it. Um, now, good luck to me finding a medium-sized adult bike in 2021. Um, May. Yeah, May of 2020. Well, yeah, the weather is nice. Yeah. Good luck finding a bike. So chapter one of this saga is written, um, but it may yet be a multi-volume series, for all I know. Maybe I'll sell it to Netflix. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you find a bike that fits him at a reasonable price in the next 14 days, you'll actually skip wizard level 10 and go straight to wizard level 11. And I've only known two other people who ever made it that far. Yeah, well, I'll let you know. Maybe we'll check in next week on how how this adventure is unfolding. Yeah. Now, I, I, you know, uh, forgive me for asking what would otherwise be just the silliest question going. So there's a th- third character in this little cast of characters here. Mm. The the too tall 16 year old. Yeah. Have you actually discussed this with him? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, you know, because, well, first of all, until, until his mother is bought in, you know, I can only hurt my, this gets to the thing we were talking about last week about, uh, relationship advice for cyclists, Uh huh. you know, until your spouse is bought into the new bike acquisition plan, sharing it with anyone else is a recipe for success, a uh, disaster rather. <laughs> Failure. <laughs> Is that a Freudian slip? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got to keep, you got to keep it small. You got to keep it small. The fire until it's ready to be. Um, where does telling friends about your impending plan to talk to spouse fit in that particular equation? I mean, I think it's good to give, get a flyby, you know, like fly it by somebody who could, uh-huh. you know, who's sympathetic for them to poke holes mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the argument, especially if that person knows your spouse. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they'll say, well, you know what she'll say? She'll say X, Y or Z. And um, 
But I mean, I've been married, as we established last week, I've been married a long time. And I, I know. I mean, even in my tone in having this conversation with her, I was very offhanded, like it's a throwaway idea. I'm not married to it. I don't I don't really care. But the kid, you know, could use a bike that fits. <laughs> Doesn't she see through the, the, the faux nonchalance? Um, well, we were, you know, we were both so excited to have our second vaccine and the, the sun was shining. I think it was a good moment. Timing oh, is you're saying too. she was lightheaded from the shot. <laughs> I'm saying she was distracted <laughs> by her impending <laughs> immunity. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. All right. I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. I threw also I throw a, I threw a, sm- a smoke bomb and yelled Kazam. How many sided dice uh, did you have? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That shape doesn't exist. But um, the, the whole thing actually reminded me um, of this excellent conversation I had with my good friend Magna recently. OK, so and this is about kids and bikes, etc. And Magna grew up in Bangalore. And then later in her childhood, moved to Lagos, Nigeria with her family. Okay. Um, When they were still in India, she told me, um, on some sort of regular basis, a truck full of bikes would come and every so often, and you could rent one of the bikes for the day. Okay. Uh, Magna, Magna and I run together. She's new to cycling. So she's mountain biking and she's ground. She's just figuring out like what sort of cyclist she is. And I'm the bike guy and I talk about bikes and whatever. And she was saying to me that she in her childhood had zero examples of an adult using a bicycle for sport or exercise. Mm hmm. Everyone, if an adult had a bike and even the ones that they the, the adults rented from the truck would be for doing critical errands mm-hmm. to faraway places or to carry things that were difficult to get home on foot. So. Um, she, I think, never saw an adult person riding a bike for sport until she came to this country for grad school. Okay, Uh, but when her family moved to Nigeria, it was for a better job Um, and they they sort of moved out of this one room place in India that they lived in into um, a multi room apartment in Nigeria. And she and her brother got their first bikes that were theirs and and. It was interesting because she said the bike actually symbolized for her as a kid, their arrival, you know, economically. Oh, okay. Okay. Like now we Uh are the type of people who can have bikes, which was a a cool thing. Um, So, you know, getting back to the do bikes, do kids bikes need to fit like the ones she, she said, the ones they got off the truck never fit. They never fit. Right. But, you know, when you're a kid, you just make that work. And it didn't matter that they didn't fit because they had fun. They rode around on these bikes. It was fun. And that's a beautiful thing. And a right. good, you know, it's a good sort of check. Um, it's it's just a different, such a different experience to mine. 
And, you know, setting aside the obvious sort of cultural subtext, it's also, you know, it's about the pure joy of bike riding. Um, and and also, of course, we should all be goddamn grateful to have any bike, never mind a nice one or, you know, N plus whatever that happens to be sitting in our basement. Uh, yes. At yes. this point in time. Yep. Um it was just a really fun, interesting uh, conversation for me and a, and a perspective shifter. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe my kid will be getting a new bike or maybe not. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm. You know, you don't have to do a whole additional pull on this, but I'm just going to say now, once you have the conversation with him. You have to check Hmm. back in with us. I find it just, well, hilarious that you're having this conversation about a bike and it doesn't yet involve him. It's different when the kid is six and they don't yet know bikes and this is going to be their first bike. And it's like, is he ready yet? Should we do this? That's one thing. But uh, because this will have uh, far reaching implications on his solo activity. Uh, that he is not yet involved in the conversation. Uh, yeah, that that pulls a certain hilarity. Well, I, I, I'm going to talk to him about it before I get the bike. Um, well, he's I've, going. Yeah. If there are choices, he will get to choose. Um, what's what's curious with him and my kids don't ride bikes the way I did. Uh, all of my efforts to get them to have been pretty for not mm-hmm. um but he he likes he likes to ride bikes and he's not without bike handling skills so he's done enough um and it'll be interesting to me uh we live on a on a steep hill and I'm a long steep hill and I'm wondering if he would go for a drop bar bike um you know, when I do talk to him about it, I'm very curious what he thinks the ideal bike for him would be. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious to find out how much I'm going to care what he thinks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do care. I definitely do care. And I want, you know, I think it's very true that um, if you get somebody something that they don't want, they won't use it. So, uh huh. you know, I at least know that much. But... Um, you know, I think also sometimes people who want a new thing are aspirational about it in ways that aren't realistic. Uh Uh-huh. You You mean like the health club membership? Like the health club membership or like all the people who've come to me to say as an adult that they want to get a new bike. Mm -hmm. And they say, I'm thinking of this. And I say, well, I'll tell you, you're not going to ride that. (laughs) it's cool but it's not it doesn't fit i don't see how it fits in your life and it may be a dual suspension like i had a i had a friend in who lived in london who wanted a bike to uh ride back and forth to um his job at the financial times and you know it was like three miles in thick london city traffic and he said he wanted a dual suspension mountain bike (laughs) <laughs> because he dreamed of taking his son mountain biking north of the city on weekends. And I said, have you ever owned a mountain bike? And he said, no. 
And I said, Mm. well, you're not going to ride a dual suspension mountain bike through the center of London. And if you do, it's going to get stolen. And Mm. better to start with, you know, a sensible commuter bike, establish the habit and then get the next bike once you're back in the habit of cycling. But he got the dual suspension mountain bike and it (laughs) lasted three months because it got stolen. Which doesn't, which is not me saying that I'm a high level bike wizard who can see the future. But the, what, my only point is that people have this vision of what their mm-hmm. new bike is going to be or do for them. And if it's not rooted in reality. So that's my only role with him will be to say, I think these things could really work for you. I, can we just take a moment to acknowledge that as you were having a conversation with a friend of yours about a bike purchase that you went straight to the whole N plus one philosophy. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer of in N plus one, but the hidden caveat in the expression N plus one is that N has to be a real number. So Uh, if you say, I want this bike that has nothing to do with how I ride bikes, there is no plus one because N isn't a real number. Yeah, but you advocated commuter bike, then mountain bike. Right. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. N plus one. A practical N plus one. I'm not disagreeing with the progression, uh, your, your philosophical take on, you know, let's let's dial in utility um, and, and recurring use, and then we can go for the big fun. I'm, I'm not going to argue against that, but just as a means to acknowledge what we kind of tend to naturally do as cyclists, uh, you went straight to N plus one. I did. We should own that. (laughs) Actually, I don't have to own it. You have to own it. Well, that's right. You're a hundred percent right. But the thing is, if you're not a cyclist, then N plus one isn't a thing. N plus one only becomes a thing if you're a cyclist. And so all I was saying to him was, this is the thing that is most likely to make you a cyclist. Mm. And then you'll Mm -hmm. gain access to N plus one and not before. But, you know, that whole story is another great example of why I hate to give people advice about bikes because they have their own ideas. Mm -hmm. They ask for advice, but they don't. They want validation for what they want validation. Yeah. 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 He came to me later and said that I was right and he was wrong, which was big of him. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he wasn't happy about it. No, he was. I mean, he had a bike stolen. You know, there's no happiness in that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That really stinks. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which brings me to. So like. What sort of locks will you buy for the bike you're handing off and uh, the bike that you are very likely to purchase soon? Um, well, the bike that I'm handing off can live inside. It, it was stolen from the house because it was not locked up. Right. It was just at the house. Yeah. So that's a behavioral modification. And I think they got that from the consequences of this. Okay. Um, 
the new bike, you know, I already have a number of locks here and I, from all my time riding into the city, um, I haven't had a bike stolen in decades. I hate, you. um, touch wood. Um, but I, that I think is a, a little bit about behavior, more about behavior than about locks. Like if someone wants your bike, your lock doesn't matter. Mm. Right. If someone really wants your bike, your lock doesn't matter. So the thing the all the strategies are around uh, location of locking. Um, you know, you have to play certain percentages. I haven't had a bike stolen. That's luck. But it's also, you know, yeah, locking it where. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's more about teaching than about locking. Fair point. Fair One point. thing you'll find on YouTube, in addition to um, yoga lessons and um, cats playing flamenco guitar, is how to defeat every bike lock. Oh, Joey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it should. Should. yeah. I shouldn't be publicizing that, but my son, but the same son actually brought to my attention all of these lock picking videos that you can find on YouTube. And I... So there, thereby, I would say that behavior is even more instrumental to preserving your ownership of your bicycle. Uh, I mean, it's handy that he found the video and showed it to you rather than you finding the video and showing it to him. That's right. I, I, I suspect that's worth something. Yeah, the cause effect chain is better in, the, in that direction. Yeah. 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 Uh, wow. Well, I'm very curious to hear how this goes. Uh, I'm also curious being a cyclist. I don't think I'm really good at seeing uh, all the ways these plans get disrupted. So I'm also curious as to uh, whether or not this plan m might get derailed in some way. And if so, what that is. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too you know it's just we're living in this strange time when uh, uh new bikes are scarce uh used bikes are uh, at dramatically inflated prices and also somewhat scarce um i have a lot of connections in the bike world but do i want to call out a favor for this particular thing you know especially as this those are sort of bread and butter bikes for a lot of shops mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah drama will ensue and probably comedy also yeah it's it's the comedy that i'm looking forward to yeah well i'm i the big question to me is whether he'll get another flat bar hybrid style city bike Mm -hmm. um, or whether he's ready to make the jump to drop bars. You know, a, a question I should have asked by now, and I, I'm going to bet that we've got, you know, uh, three or 4,000 listeners out there going, ask him, ask him, ask what sort of price range or, you know, what are you willing to invest in this bike? What's your ceiling? It's a good question. I think it depends on what he's, if he's going to buy a knock around town hybrid, you know, I'll spend somewhere between 500 and a grand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe more if there's some really cool bike, mm -hmm. but probably not. Mm -hmm. 
if he's going to make the jump to drop bars um, with some sort of credible story about um, regular usage, then I could be convinced to spend, you know, more money. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably in, in the one to two thousand dollar range, right? Um, and you know, I think for a sixteen year old to have that bike is pretty. Uh, that's a that's a a bit of a privilege. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll again we'll see what his his interest and what it's clear. I mean, we're not buying the kid a car, um, and we don't. You know, you don't need one here. I live, you know, six miles from downtown Boston. So there are trains and buses and uh, and bikes will get you most places faster than cars. So but how bought in he is to that scenario will will probably influence my. Uh Spending. Yeah, no, this will be curious. I'm I'm very interested to see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I also if I'm completely honest, uh, if if there is some drama in the course of this, I rather expect that from this remove, that is, i.e. more than 3000 miles and, and one household away, uh, that may be comedy for me. <laughs> yeah, one person's drama is another person's comedy for sure. Yeah. 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 So I think that's what happened last week. We talked about D2R2 and for you, I think there was a bit of drama and it was just comedy for me. Uh, Well, you know, I have a similar remove at this point, so it's also comedy for me now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The sun's no longer going down on me. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Alrighty. So we're going to take a break and we will be back in just a minute. The Pace Line is brought to you by The Cycling Independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader-supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial, With the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on Support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, time for your pull. So... I want to talk tandems today. I've done this before, but it has been quite a while, a couple of years. Uh, I like tandems. I've owned two, though not more than one at a time. Uh, I will to bring up N plus one club. Uh, I will admit that as a card carrying member, uh, I do actually covet a second tandem. I've uh, heard that it takes two to make a thing go right, which ooh. will be my corny mm. guy from the. 80s joke for the day. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. Yes, please. Uh, so I'm willing to bet that most people listening, if they've had any experience at all with a tandem, is probably one of those old Schwinn twins, you know, with the ape hanger bar. Yeah, yeah. You know, like two stingrays welded together. Uh, 
And it handled just about as well as two stingrays welded together. Right. Uh, wildly flexible. I would say that uh, they were so flexible that riding one actually qualified as an extreme sport. Yeah. It was, I would say that's technically impossible. a tandem, but in practical terms, I'm not sure no. what it is. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of like a party trick or something. You yeah, know? yeah, it's, yeah. 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 Uh, it, it, it like yeah, a whoopee it gave cushion. You none of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, roughly as funny and roughly as useful. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, you know, let me ask a question Have you ever ridden a tandem? I have been on a tandem a couple of times, never with my wife. Um, the thing about tandems is it's not, uh, and I won't say more because I I've only done it a couple times. But what I learned very rapidly was that it is not just two people riding a bike. There's a so, there's yep. a, a lot going on. There's an art to tandeming that sh- needs to be learned. Yes, yes, uh, very much. Um, you know, a couple of years ago when I brought this up back when Celine was co-host, uh, she admitted that when she and her husband, Dave, uh, who's a very competent cyclist in his own right, he's the organ- organizer of the gravel event, Unpaved PA. Yeah. Uh, so she was captain, uh, which was, I don't know, quite possibly a uh, a less than wonderful plan. Uh, but things didn't go well. Um, she was having trouble handling the tandem and elected, uh, to bail out, you know, uh, as captain, she jumped off the tandem and yelled, abandon ship. Uh, I think this would be where we should probably give the audience a moment to finish laughing. Uh, I mean, really abandon ship. I'm just uh, picturing the look on his face. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, because I mean, you know, on one hand, I mean, you're faced with two choices, both of them bad. You can try to keep pedaling quickly enough so that the tandem just keeps rolling forward, or you can attempt to bring it to a stop, which will almost certainly result in you crashing to the ground. And there's no way to keep a tandem upright ad infinitum. So either plan really is going to result in you crashing. I think you're going down. Yeah. You're yeah. going down. Yeah. Uh, you just get, you may have the opportunity to choose the length of time between the current moment and when you go down. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, all that aside, <laughs> now that we've got all the misadventures out of the way, uh, w- one of the aspects that I really love about tandems is how they can be a great way to teach someone about cycling. There are so many little things about riding road bikes that can be, you know, kind of hard to instruct someone about. So I'm thinking things like, you know, calming your upper body movement, um, how to position your pedals so that when you roll out, like roll away from a stop sign or stoplight or your own driveway, uh, you have some (laughs) momentum so you can get your second foot clipped in. Uh, how to brake for turns, like, you know, braking before yeah. you're actually in the turn and not halfway through and realizing you're going much too fast. Right. Uh, you know, that's certainly a big one. How to um, how to position your pedals in the turn so that you're yeah. not putting your inside foot down, which is 
I, I don't know what it is, but I think it's a matter of people, uh, you know, when they put the inside foot down, it helps them actually shift their weight toward the turn by putting that mm. foot down. I think mm. that's why so many people kind of naturally fall into that. Uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, but every time I see it, it still kind of mystifies me. Um, but, uh, it's also, you know, a tandem is a great way to teach someone, uh, a smooth pedal stroke and how part of the nature of road cycling is you just keep spinning that gear. You don't pedal for a little bit and stop and pedal for a little bit and stop. Um, I've certainly experienced that with people on the back of a tandem for the first time who, people who aren't already dedicated cyclists. Yeah. The thing is the real fun of tandeming is once both the captain and the stoker have some experience riding together, whether or not the one, uh, the stoker is a a dedicated cyclist, just getting them experienced together so that they're uh, pretty well in sync. Uh, you know, and part of it is, you know, confidence for the stoker. Uh, Mm. that's when you really start to generate some speed. Now, two competent cyclists on a tandem can fly. Right. It's all the power of two people, but they're only punching one hole in the wind. And if you think that two people trading poles uh, punches the same hole in the wind and right. is just as efficient, uh-uh, not even right. close. Right. Uh, I mean, I can remember being on training rides with my girlfriend on the back and we would go to the front of you know the tuesday and thursday morning rides take it up to 32 miles an hour and the entire ride is strung out single file behind us yeah um but once we blew yeah oh it was you know it it, it, it was like a whole trailer full of roman candles you know uh so it i had to figure out when to shut things down before she actually blew because she wouldn't tell me Mm. she would she would just yeah uh but, you know, one of the other things is like when you dive into a turn, I don't, it's, I can say these words and it might not make a lot of sense to you, but the fact that, you know, the outside pedal has gone down at the same time, you're taking exactly the same line through the turn. Uh, yeah. You begin pedaling together again at exactly the same time. You're having an identical experience and there's real magic in that. There's yeah. something super, super special about it. Uh, and I, I've even described it as being intimate, uh, you know, not close off intimate, but, you know, you really have to be in sync with the other rider. Uh, I just, I'm sorry. I just flashed to like a tandem rally of naked people, which I feel like might happen in Amsterdam. Or but- Portland. Or Portland. Yeah. I'm sorry. I feel better now. It's over. It's past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Extra uh, intimacy. Go we, on. Sorry. We should go to YouTube and look up and see uh, if there's video. Yeah. That's not a thing you want to put in the search bar. <laughs> the more we say it's not, the more I. Yeah. Okay. Bad Patrick. Uh, um, but, you know, one of the other things that's neat is when the stoker begins to read little signs uh, that, you know, demonstrates they're sensitive to the captain, like pedal stroke, uh, having a a stoker who doesn't fight you to cock the pedal up 
um, when you're at a stop. Right. Uh, they don't lock their, their legs, but they actually help you cock the pedal the moment you're stopped. Little things like that are, are just really uh, terrific. Um, you know, the alternative, like uh, if a stoker suddenly just stops pedaling, um, it can buck the captain and unsuspecting captain right out of the saddle. Right. Um, I have gotten the full James Bond ejector seat experience. Oof. Uh, it was interesting. It was, <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems like, a, um, an interesting way to teach someone, you know, sort of the little detailed finer points of riding a bike. Like you say, like cocking the pedal at a light, um, you know, when to brake, all that stuff. And, and, you know, having spent time with my wife and kids on bikes, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's pedantic and like painful to stop and say, well, this is how you do this. And this is how you do that. Like n- no one in my family wants to hear from me that, you know, you should downshift going into the light because <laughs> yep. you're not, you know, you're from getting, you know, they just don't want that information. They just mm-hmm. want to ride bikes. But if you're on mm-hmm. a tandem, you know, there's real practical stuff. Uh, that makes the experience better for everybody. So that's that's an interesting perspective I hadn't thought of. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm seeing someone who's, you know, sort of um, awesome. Uh, yeah. And she's a very, very capable athlete, a runner. Mm. Um, and I should clarify, not just a runner, but an ultra runner. Yeah. Um, she I mean, like she's done 100K events, mm. uh, which even as an alleged endurance athlete myself makes almost no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> um, she has previously owned a road bike, but it's been a couple of years. Uh, she's got a little hybrid that mm. uh, we can go out on rides with. Uh, but, you know, one of the neat things was uh, we'd get up to some speed on the bike path. And then as we were coming up uh, to a, a light crossing, um, you know, I'd break a little bit and I would do, a pedal stroke and downshift one gear pause pedal stroke, pedal stroke downshift one gear. Um, just as I was getting a sense of like, am I going to have to do a full stop or will we be able to roll through this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there are all these things, they feel how often you're shifting. Um, you know, they don't get a great sense of, uh, the balance of front brake to rear brake. Mm. Uh, and one of the nice things with the tandem is you can just grab big handfuls of both brakes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Skidding a tire is not really exactly a thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's been neat. Um, it's been a little while since I've had this situation. And so it's been neat to, uh, show how all those different little things are adding up to part of, you know, the efficiency experience of yeah. being on, uh, being on a bike, um, and not just on a tandem. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not against necessarily tandeming, but my, my wife doesn't trust me, uh, to be the stoker. I mean, f- she doesn't trust me on the front and Captain. she doesn't ride enough to feel comfortable on the front herself. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think she should trust me, but I did post a, a crash video to the site yesterday. <laughs> so, and she, so she's aware of how often I fall off. So maybe she's not misguided in her trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I I am at least smart enough to know not to venture into those waters on your behalf. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a decision maker. She she'll decide when she's ready or not ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so this would be where I confess that yeah, in that whole n plus 1 thing. I want a gravel tandem. Yeah. I my tandem will just barely fit a 35 in the rear. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a tight tight fit for a 35. And tandeming I'd, you know, on, on gravel, I'd really like a 40. Yeah. Um, it very comfortably fits a 32 millimeter slick and I set the wheels up for tubeless, which I got to admit, I'm wondering if that's really the smartest thing I should have done. Um, because you don't, you know, if you're riding a mountain bike every couple days, you know, your sealant's getting moved around and whatnot. It's not getting a chance right. to congeal in the bottom. Right. And like, right, right. I haven't moved this tandem since last Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the fact that like I was running the world's heaviest puncture resistant tubes in there, um, which if I want to go ride on gravel was maybe actually a superior plan. Probably, yeah. probably, but more the congeal congealment conge- con- Congealed. Let's just go with past yeah. tense. The worst well, jello mold, the worst tasting yeah. jello mold ever. You don't want right. you don't want to make that in your in your tire. That's not helping anybody. And you don't want to be trying to bleed sealant in there between rides either. So Yeah. yeah. And see, I was thinking, oh, this is this'll be so great. I can run seventy five PSI uh in these big tires and yeah. we'll be really comfortable and you know, there came a point where every bump we hit, even if I was calling it out in advance and leveling the pedals so she could get some weight off the saddle, there came a point in the ride where she's like, oh, yeah, ow. Right. And yeah. I, I've i only stoked a tandem once in my life. Uh, and I guess I got lucky because I don't have any distinct memories of just how unpleasant hitting a bump uh, in the in the stoker position is. But universal in the experience of all the stokers who've been behind me, uh, the bumps get to them. You should maybe put a thud buster back there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's one in the garage from previous use. So yeah, yeah. maybe I'm, that's the I'm, move. But uh, I think a gravel tandem is the exact is correct. Yeah. If you're going to have one tandem, it should be a gravel tandem, right? Cause you can, yeah. you can ride the roads on that. You can put, yeah. 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 I mean, why not just run 40s full time? Right? Yeah, exactly. Comfort and versatility. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, it was. Yeah, that was a mistake on my part is not seeing that uh, for what it was. Um, I, I mean, when it, when I was ordering, it, I was busy thinking about my boys and I wasn't thinking about like uh, doing something right. silly like the half pint at unbound right which is you know i've got sns couplers on my tandem i could fly there but to do unbound on 32s on a tandem i suspect that's a bad plan yeah probably so yeah but i'm really smart enough to know that uh i only want to do the half pint at unbound (laughs) not the full pint yeah yeah um I'll drink plenty of pints at the finish. Yeah, there you go. 
the, the, yeah. 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 Uh, so here I am coveting another bike. I mean, I'm not really even an N plus one anymore. I'm like N plus three. <laughs> I, I, I probably, I, I, if our listeners were to allow their spouses to listen to this podcast, I think that at a certain moral level, they would be forbidden to listen anymore because I'm such a bad influence. Yeah. 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 But again, we talk about owning things. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and own that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, at the same time, when you actually, you know what? Strike that. I'm not going to rationalize your, your, your bike, uh, <laughs> your bike quest. I get yeah, it. I love it. I respect it, but I'm not gonna, let's not get into rationalizing right now. Yeah, I think it's probably a good plan for you to just allow me to sink under my own weight. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, I don't need encouragement. Uh, and right. Encouragement is certainly not something we should. Yeah. So how about some paceline picks? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, this week, I'm going to pick Arundel Rubber Gecko Bar Tape. Hmm. I, I haven't tried this one. Um, I've been talking the last few weeks about older things that have great value, that are repairable, that are durable, etc. This week, bar tape. Um, bar tape's one of those products where, you know, the generic cork version is good. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the thicker rubberized ones are good, too. I like them. Um, I seldom have grabbed a pair of uh, handlebars, uh, wrapped bars and thought, oh, this is terrible. Whatever's not like this isn't good. What's on here? I, it's possible, but it's, you know, like the bar for what is good in bar tape is pretty low, right? It's that's, well, that's because nobody uses Bonotto tape anymore. You mean the uh, the fabric? Um, no, not fabric. Just the cello tape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was like negative cushion. Right. Yeah. We're all in a pretty good place. Bar tape. Yeah. Bar tape's doing real well as, yeah. as far as uh, fulfilling its functionality. You know, basically, if if you make bad bar tape, you're an idiot. It's just not That's that hard. Scarce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like with any cycling product you encounter, sometimes you see something or touch something for the first time and you're just like, whoa. This is mm-hmm. different. Like, this is mm-hmm. better. Um, yeah. So I encountered my first Arundel Gecko tape when I was out visiting Tony at Velosmith in Chicago. Yep. Old friend Tony. Everyone's buddy Tony. And for those of you who are unaware of Tony, he's a second generation bike shop guy. Um, he is a discerning guy he's a you know indeed who builds some of the nicest bikes you're gonna lay your eyes on um agreed he has an eye for how a bike should look you know like he's the guy he's the first person i heard i had heard car people use this term but he's the first person i heard use the term stance about a bicycle and talking about, you know, the, the proportions of the bike and how the angle of the stem uh, interacted with the line of the top tube. Uh, yeah. And, you know, little things like he just knows what makes a bike look good. So 
I was putting on an event for him. This is back when I was working at, at seven and we had a ride, a donut ride. I think, I think I tried to buy donuts. Maybe someone else bought donuts. I don't know. There were donuts and there were bicycles and we rode them. So he, he loaned me one of his bikes to ride as we sort of spun around the Chicago burbs. And, um, I was standing there in his studio, sort of looking over his bikes. And I just pointed at one and said, can I, I take that one? Um, and he said, sure. And I walked over and I just laid my hands on the handlebars. And I had that moment. I was like, what is this? Hey, what is this? Mm. And I said, Tony, WTF is this bar tape? Um, and he smiled that knowing smile because, you know, he knows <laughs> he knows. And he said, it's a rundle gecko. It's our go to tape. Wow. And um I want to be clear, I'm not denigrating anyone else's bar tape. I think Lizard Skins makes some great products. I use those. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the rubber gecko is where it's at. See, it just it has like the perfect texture. You know, it's not too slick or too n- n- nubbly. Mm-hmm. And it lays down so beautifully flat. It doesn't have like that, the ridges that sometimes mm-hmm. you get with thicker tapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just a magic. I think, I think it retails for like 22 bucks also. So you're not, oh, you know, it's not crazy. No, no. It's like sort of right in the middle of mm-hmm. what you pay for bar tape. Uh, it comes in colors. I, I prefer basic black cause I'm filthy as a rule. <laughs> <laughs> but it does come in colors and it's class. It's just straight class and you should try it. Wow. Uh, well, I'm going to have to give it a try now. I mean, it, Tony, it's, it must be said he's like the closest thing I've seen in, in the cycling world to like an interior designer. Yeah. I mean, his, his bikes are like, you know, magical spaces, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's it's really something the job I, that he does. I hate the word curated, mm-hmm. you know, as it's sort of applied to, you know, generic things now. Right. Like artisanal. Yeah. But he really does his studio and his bikes really are curated in the sense that every piece that goes on them is thought about. There's a reason it's there. Yeah. You know, uh, even at really good bike shops that I know, they're like, oh, yeah, grab some tape and put it on that bike. Mm-hmm. And they don't care. It's some tape. And yep. and and for all intents and purposes, they're right. Yep. But Tony's like, no, let's we we have identified what the best tape is. And that's the one that we use. And and for all I know, honestly, for all I know, he may have moved on by now to something, <laughs> something newer, better, specialer. But I'm I just this is my experience. And when I the last couple bikes I've built, I've I've gotten the the Arundel, which I called Arundel for a long time. Well, you know, I I've never known the correct way to say it because I've heard both. And Good, okay. I don't know the folks there. So. I don't either. I'm glad that you cop to that because I even even in thinking about it before we got in here, I was like, I'm going to say their name wrong and be an idiot. But I mean, that's what people expect from me. 
Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll at least give everyone the spelling. It's A-R-U-N-D-E-L. If you are, for some reason, not familiar with this outfit, uh, they do some really nice uh, carbon fiber water bottle, water bottle cages. They do. They um, do. But uh, now I need to check out that tape. Wow. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, all right. Well, what have you got? I'm not... I'm not sure if it's because spring or just more miles or what, but I've been getting a lot of questions about saddles lately. Mm. Friends, readers, Romans, they're all having discomfort. Mm. Uh, I'm revisiting a saddle that I like a whole lot from SQ Labs. So I previously reviewed this uh, at Red Kite Prayer. Um, and there's something about the contour of the SQ Labs saddles. Um, that is just really pretty special. It's different. It's awesomer. Uh, the big thing that I notice is it does a good job of not cutting blood flow to one's most nether of regions, hmm. um, which for me, I mean, that's the standard. The sensitive um, bits. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, they've got multiple models. I'm talking specifically about the Ergo Wave. That's my favorite of the two different saddles from them I've tried. Hmm. But uh, pretty universal to the SQ Labs experience, so far as I've seen, is that their saddles come in four widths. Yeah. You know, usually you're lucky to find a saddle in widths. Yeah. And very often, if it's available in widths, it's like this width or the other width. Right. Um, but every now and then you'll find them in three widths. Well, like the Ergo Wave is is available in a 12 centimeter width, a 13, a 14, and even a 15 centimeter width. Yeah. And if you've got a great big American caboose like me, the next time I review one of their styles, I may be inclined to ask for the 15 just to see what that's like. Well, that's funny. I ride a wide saddle. I'm a mm -hmm. narrow human being i'm not a big dude i don't even have mm -hmm. one of those big powerful horse butts like you know fast mine's big but not poor, not powerful okay all right i've got all the liabilities and none of the benefits yeah i but i discovered at some point that a, a 150 millimeter ish saddle works best for me um mm -hmm. and a lot mm -hmm. of the saddles especially when you get into allegedly gendered saddles uh yep. you know the male versions are all sort of narrow and the female versions are wide mm -hmm. and i tend mm -hmm. to ride those wider saddles which is why i often hesitate to recommend saddles to people because i i don't know where your sit bones are um i think this is particularly an interesting saddle because it comes in the four widths really so yeah you know, the the what you're recommending to the person is a saddle, but the one that fits. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And one of the nice things about SQ Labs is they've got some information there that will help you determine what is most likely to be the proper width for you. Mm. Um, you know, and there are things in most bike shops now that will help someone with that. So, you know, if they don't want to figure it out online, you know, drop by a dealer. Um, I don't know how often you will find SQ labs in bike shops. Um, so they might be a little hard to find, but they're certainly available online. Uh, the big reason I'm recommending this is, so I reviewed this saddle a while back 
And they were impressed with the response they got coming out of that. So they advertised with us for a while and they sold. um, We're going to go with a technical term here, a a metric buttload of them. Mm. Uh, And I, I was amazed at how often I would hear from people who's like, you know, this is the best saddle I have ever ridden. Mm. Um, I, you know, am I inclined to call this the best saddle I've ever ridden? No, no. But I, uh, I've ridden a lot of good saddles. I've lit, I've ridden a whole lot of really, really bad saddles. Mm. Um, this is a saddle that I can trust, you know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. the thing, the thing about a good saddle too, is that you're not supposed to know that it's good because you're not supposed to think about it. Right. Yeah. Right. I thought, about, like actually, I thought about picking a saddle this week too, but I discovered that the saddle I was about to pick has been discontinued and I didn't want to hype a thing that <laughs> is no longer available. Um, and what I was going to say about that saddle is that it, I don't even know that it's on the bike. <laughs> and that's a great saddle. Uh, yeah, uh, that's yeah. OK, yeah, that's maybe not the saddle to recommend. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, OK, well, I'd say that's a wrap on another episode of the Pace Line. Uh, you got any good plans coming up? I have a gravel ride next week up in mm-hmm. New Hampshire that I'm excited about uh, with my usual crew of knuckleheads. Uh, I think that'll be great. I haven't really been riding out of state for a long time now. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's an hour from here. So it's not, you know, we're not staying overnight. We're doing, not doing a lot of, we won't have a lot of touch points, but it'll just be great to be on an organized ride and someplace else. And with my people, I'm excited yeah. about that. What about you? I need, uh, and I mean this in the, the truest sense, I need to do a long ride this weekend because in very short order, I've got the first grasshopper oh, of the yeah. season coming yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, and at that event, all I plan to do is just finish it. I'm going to go out and ride and finish. I'm not going to thrash myself at any point. Yeah. I'm praying where this is, uh, is getting over toward uh, the Central Valley. I'm praying that we still have wildflowers out there. Yeah. Because um, if so, it'll be really nice. But we could be getting to the very end of the season relative to that spot. Yeah. I will find out. So, yeah, I need to go do something long this weekend. I should mention that I uh, was on the Cycling Dads podcast Um I recorded that this morning and that'll be out next week on Monday. Um, that's run by my friend, uh, Aaron, uh-huh. uh, uh, out of Minneapolis. And he had heard us on the pace line and he and I go back a ways and he said, Oh yeah, I forgot you existed basically. And <laughs> come on this <laughs> podcast. So we talked about cycling independent and we talked about, uh, some of this, uh, stuff. Tony came up. So if you're looking for even more of my babbling next week, check out the Cycling Dads podcast. Very cool. Well, we'll put a a link uh, in the show notes along with the other links that we need to put in there. Sounds good. Yeah. Alrighty, everybody. Uh, Send us some questions. We need more questions. Uh, If you got an idea 
please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Paceline.